At the first, I think my idea is very simple. I felt like there shouldn't be only chess in my life. I think most of the people I know they wouldn't say that the career they're they're devoting to should be the entire thing for their life. Today, I'm talking to Ho Yifan, who I think we can fairly say is one of the most remarkable figures in the history of chess. She became a grandmaster at 14, the youngest ever female player to qualify for that title. At 16, she became the youngest to win the Women's World Chess Championship, and today she is regarded as the best active female chess player in the world, second best of all time. Yifan is also remarkable, though, for what she has done alongside her chess. In 2012, she stunned the chess world by announcing that she would be attending Peking University as a full-time student. And then she went on to study public policy at Oxford and at age 26 became the youngest ever professor at Shenzhen University. Through her chess, Yifan has unquestionably travelled a path that very few others have, especially women. But she's also taken a road less travelled in the professional chess world, determined as she has been to have a life outside of it. It was such a joy to talk to Yifan. We discussed how she discovered her passion for chess, the journey of realising her ambitions both within and beyond the chess world, and I think throughout the importance of perspective. We hope that you enjoy the conversation. Yifan, hello. Hi, Sophie. Thank you so much for being with us. It's my pleasure. Before we get started, how have you been? I know that you've been traveling a bit and playing lots of chess. So how is everything going? Uh, well, in general, it is, uh, it is fine. We're actually on the last day of the summer break, as tomorrow going to be the first, first of September, and we're going to start the new semester. And as you mentioned, that uh, uh, during the summer, I actually traveled a lot for a couple of chess activities or sports-related activities. So, for example, I just reached home like two to three days ago, and I was going back to my hometown province, attending the opening ceremony of our um, province um, games. And apart from that, I also enjoy some leisure time with my family for the vacations and so on. Oh, wonderful. It sounds like you've been very busy then. Well, I suppose to to kick off the the formal part of our conversation, I suppose, here is a question for you then. If we start unpacking uh, your path to where you are now, I I wondered, I suppose a logical start, a place to start is probably when did you first discover chess and how did you come to find chess as a game? Well, I started to know chess when I was like five and a half years old. So that is the first time that I see chess. I see the, the the pieces of chess. I see the chess board in front of a a a, a bookshop window, and then I thought, okay, this is um, interesting to me. I would like to know how to move it. I get attracted by the shape of the pieces. It's kind of very naive things, and then my parents brought me uh, to a place which is very similar to let's say children's palace where different projects, different um, hobbies were, uh, were kind of gathering there to offer this uh, uh, studying sessions or group studying sessions. Uh, therefore, I went there. I got to start to play the games. At what point did you realize that you really loved chess? And at what point did you realize you were really, really good at chess? Uh, well, I think right after I get to know how to play chess, uh, it provokes my interest. I don't know whether I could consider it as a love of chess, but at least uh, 
this is the priority to me at that time compared to other hobbies, for example, like uh, painting or even like uh, dancing, that kind of things. Uh, I think I would prefer chess as a clear favorite. So that caused my passion. And later on, when I, I have to admit that when I enjoyed the battle with the opponents, when I achieved the good results, when I felt like, okay, actually chess gives me even more confidence. And uh, through chess, I got to know people. I got to learn a lot. That makes uh, chess even more unique to me. And uh, well, your second question is about how I realized that I'm good at chess. Well, that takes more time, to be honest. <laughs> I, I achieved some good results. For example, after learning a bit more than a year of chess studies, I, I, I won the national championship under my age group among the girls section. So I think when I was seven years old. So it's not some uh, great achievement, but when you imagine that you are competing with all girls around your age or around the country, and then you become the first, that still shows, okay, at least uh, I, I, I'm not bad at chess. And, but still, it doesn't mean that I feel like I'm good at chess. No, 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 that's too early. And then when I was seven years old, I moved to another province in the north part of China uh, to study chess there because uh, we had a very good coach there who himself was our national champion. Is that when your, did your parents decide at that point that we should take this really seriously? Or at, at what point did they, did they get you a coach? Uh, no, not yet. At that time, um, why my parents made that decision is only because um, the coach at my hometown, who himself was an amateur chess player, he said that, okay, I thought uh, this girl cannot improve uh, smoothly here at my chess club because most of the uh, peers uh, is not as strong as her and I cannot teach her anymore. So he recommended us to seek for another place to study chess. And then I think my parents were looking around and also asking for advices. And coincidentally, they have been introduced to my second coach, who is, by the way, very important in my chess career. And so himself is very good at chess in our national team. He knows everything. And also he has his um, own way to explain chess, to teach chess to the young kids. So that is also like something I, I thought relatively special and then my parents thought okay so we can bring her to there in during the summer break actually and because you know my second coach himself uh, he thought that okay if he if someone he taught he realized uh, that do not have the uh, gifts or not very suitable to be a chess player he would really recommend you to stop studying chess you know uh, due to that, my parents didn't make any uh, special plan that whether I will go seriously in the chess uh, in the chess road or whether I should go back to my school. So they just brought me around July to the place, and then I went there. I played some games with my coaching students who are already very good at the moment, and I achieved good results. And then the coach said, "Okay, she should be here. She should uh, stay here, learning chess more seriously." Uh, Therefore, after that, my parents, actually my mom, who 
decided to accompany me for chess studies. But at that moment, still, they didn't give me any efforts. Like, okay, you should be the, for example, national champion, or you should be a professional chess player since you are choosing this role. No, they just take it as a, as a way to, to keep your passion on chess. But in the meantime, I'm also uh, uh, going to the school as any other regular students. So it was a, it was very much, and your parents reaffirmed that it was very much something that you did on the side of school and that it was a passion, a hobby. Yeah, exactly. A passion or a hobby. It's a similar thing, right? Uh, but still, at that time, I didn't think, I didn't consider myself is a good chess player. After that, in the year of 2003, when I was nine years old, I represented my country to play the World Youth Chess Championship under 10 girls section, and I become the first. Because of this, I got a chance to train at our national at our national center, I would call it this way, just like the place where the national team, where the best Chinese players are gathering. Because of this opportunity, I moved to Beijing, our capital city, and studying chess. Even until that moment, so I was nine years old already, could play or learn from the best players in China. I still didn't consider myself as the very, very good chess player. But after that, after that, I think among the year 2005 and six, I think those years are very important in my chess career. So I started to win some national tournaments. So for example, at the beginning of 2005, I won one of our qualification tournament. Okay, it's an inner tournament, but because of this, I could represent our national team to participate in the world team championship. And later that year, I won the uh, Zona, which is uh, the qualification tournament for the world championship. And uh, China has a separate Zona, and I won't become the first. So it's equals to our national champion, I would say it this way. And because of this, next year in 2006, I could play this world championship. And when we're talking about 2006 World Championship, it is a knockout system. So altogether it's 64 players. I think my starting rating is definitely almost at the bottom of the, of the list. And I remember the first round, I'm facing a very strong, experienced uh, Russian girl uh, who rated the, among the top 10 in that tournament, and I knock out her. And then the second round, uh, I won another very very experienced uh, woman grandmaster and then entered to the round three already. That means something to me, not only about the resource, but also the quality of the game. I remember that uh, one of the coaches who I think who, who's the coach of one of my opponents, he's a very famous coach. He coached many strong top players. And he said that, okay, this girl, she plays some good chess. She has the good technique about the positional chess, this kind of things, you know, this could be, you a bit even more uh, than you win some games. Okay, so I think almost around this moment, I thought I might, I might be or I could be a good chess player if I keep training like this, if I could uh, figure out the questions using the logical thinking, or if I could keep this passion on chess. And what was, what was the training like at this point in time? How much time were you spending playing chess each day? Uh, well, it depends because when it goes to the year 2005 or six, I already have a lot of chess tournaments. Uh, I think on average, probably 
there will be one international tournament every month. That means I need to travel from China, for example, to Europe, and then return to China, and then the next month to travel again. What was that like? That must have been that that must have been really, really intense. What was it like to be traveling so much and to be playing, really, well, playing professionally as as a kid, I suppose. Well, I didn't take that as a uh, serious profession back to then. I just thought the first thing I enjoy playing chess. I enjoy meeting friends in the chess world, and also even by then I enjoy like travel. Uh, you know. Travel to different places. Of course, it's tired, but at that time, this kind of tiredness were replaced by the uh, by the passion for chess, by the curiosity to the world. This kind of thing. So I I would say I enjoyed more. Uh, but now, if you ask my opinion now at this moment, I would say, oh, it's very tired. If you ask me whether you're going to do it again, I would say no for sure. <laughs> well, I suppose that's a good point for us also to talk about. Then, so you are now. I sub- you're described as semi-retired as a chess player, and also as semi-retired, you're still playing so much chess and still the number one female player in the world. So I don't know how useful the term semi-retired is for us to be using, but I'm really interested about how how you you went from playing full-time chess and playing professional, professionally to then deciding to go to university and from university taking on a job as a professor at Shenzhen University. How, at what point in time did you start thinking about maybe there was more than chess or that chess wouldn't be the only thing that you wanted to do? I think it takes time. It's not like suddenly one day I tell myself, okay, you should stop playing chess as a full-time professional player. You should do other things. You should go study and then explore the second career. No, it takes time. At the first, I think my idea is very simple. I felt like there shouldn't be only chess in my life. Uh, chess is just uh, like part of it. Did you ever feel like chess was the only thing in your life? Uh, never. I, I just felt like, okay, it's part of my life. I like it, but you know, Chess, we could consider it as a passion or even as a profession. But, you know, I think most of the people I know, they wouldn't say that the career they're they're devoting to should be the entire thing for their life, right? I think some people have spoken about how you excelled despite not doing chess full time and despite doing university as well. Do you think that maybe it helped you to improve and that... Um, that that you thrived because you were juggling so many things. What what do you think of that time? It 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 might be helpful. I mean, when you do like both things at the same time, it's hard to say. Uh, uh, when we're thinking about negative part, it could be like, okay, you don't have that much time. You cannot be fully concentrated on one thing, right? Of course, because we have limited energy, right? Uh, so you cannot do good on both cases. But on the other on the other hand, sometimes, you know, it doesn't mean that we spend 10 hours each day for one thing would be more efficient compared to five hours because yeah. the people might get tired, might get bored, might feel like, oh, why need to deal with it all the day, all the time, right? So this kind of uh, emotions. Uh, so when I have this, um, let's say, feelings, I would ask, tell myself, okay, it's a time to switch. We should do other things to refresh our mind and, uh, you know, just to learn some new things. Uh, after that, for a couple of hours or maybe for a week or two weeks, then you switch back to the other thing. You have a 
fresh mind and also you feel like, oh, maybe there are new ideas. You could take it as another perspective. So this is some psychological part, right? And technically, it might also be helpful. So for example, um, before um, I went to the college, I, I think my training methods are basically like, okay, I learned it. I analyze it and then I try to adapt it into my chessboard. But later on, I sometimes just take a different perspective to check things. Uh, it includes like your calculation progress or maybe your, um, your learning methods. Like when you have the same material in front of you, which parts you would like to start first and how you connect those um, indirectly related things. I mean, it's hard to explain, but just somehow I felt like, okay, I, I sometimes could have some new idea in chessboard, but that benefits from studies, for example, that gives me some uh, new idea or new perspective towards chess. So it, it sounds like the main benefit at that point in time was that you were able to hit that, that happy place where doing both at the same time was kind of pushing you further in both areas and occasionally you were drawing insights from study for chess and I at this point in time when you were going through university and then I suppose when you came to Oxford as well I can imagine there were a lot of people who were saying that that was a mistake for your chess that and I know that you were always very determined to not make chess your entire life and to have stuff outside of chess and to make sure that you were your horizons were as broad as possible but did did the fact that you were really good at chess and that that was a pathway that you knew you could really really excel at did you feel at any point in time have you felt the pressure of everyone's expectations to to focus on that path just because it's available to you yeah absolutely that this kind of voice is still existing even nowadays. And I started to hear such things already a decade ago because exactly two year, 10 years ago, I decided to uh, enter to the college. And at that time, I received the different voice from my coaches, from my friends in chess world. Although in the meantime, I also received a lot of supporters, for example, my parents and also my friends and even some of my coaches as well. So it is hard to say, to be honest, there are always people who are holding a different uh, opinion, right? So when I'm holding, uh, no, sorry, when I'm hearing those different voices, at first I would ask myself, okay, whether it's reasonable or not. I mean, of course, I could understand their perspective. They, they are also, um, you know, hoping I could achieve my potential, right? So they're good for me. It's not something against you because they're bad for you, right? So first you understand it, you wouldn't have some, uh, let's say, negative feelings against them or attitude, right? And then I ask myself, okay, so what you would like to be or how, um, how you would like to achieve in your life, not in your career. I kind of realized what I would like to do. Instead of asking yourself that what you could gain if you did the other option, I would ask myself that when you choose the current option, what you might lose. And in worst case, is that still the outcome that you feel acceptable? So at that time, I think about, okay, I... I mean, I become a student, so I do some studies. In the meantime, my chess 
my chess performance might be influenced. I might play not as good as previously. Even I lose some titles or even didn't win the tournaments I supposed to win. But what else? I mean, uh, I already showed some strengths I could achieve in chess world, and I believe if I spent more time, I might have do better. But as as I said previously, that、um, being a professional chess player is not the whole efforts in my life. So I could accept for that result because we have to be fair. You cannot get everything once, right?、Uh, so so yeah, those kind of those kind of voices didn't really give me any pressure. Although luckily that I have the people around me who support me. It sounds like your your parents have been really really important voices in this regard. But who has been who who has been really important in helping to shape the this way that you approach important decisions?、Uh, my parents and my friends.、Um, yeah, most of my co- chess coaches, unfortunately, yes, they they at least not fully supported my decision. I mean, they can understand. And now they consider okay, this is not a bad decision, but still I think probably they feel like it's a little bit pity, as you said, because chess people, you know, we have the special feelings towards chess, right? We we hope that everyone could uh, uh, show their potential strengths, so they feel a bit pity, but still they thought okay, it's not bad nowadays.、Uh, so at that time. I get more supporters, or I get more support from my family and my friends, because they felt they told me. I remember some of my friends told me that, "Think, I, look, I don't think you're going to be a chess player in your life all the time." So instead of、uh, searching for new paths late in your life at a later stage, why don't you start earlier? And in the meantime, that doesn't mean that you have to give give up chess at this moment, right? So you can think how you might be able to combine it. And at certain moments, when you really cannot afford both happening at the same time, then make a decision. So I think those、uh, encouragements are important for me to、um, go smoothly on that path. Mm, I find、uh, also it's just so logical, but I think so difficult to implement of the your approach of also just identifying whose opinion matters to you and who has your best interests at heart. That's so difficult. It's so logical, but it's so difficult to do. I really admire that. Well, I think.、Um... Also, it's very difficult for me, and I I didn't really make decision because of that. It's very hard for me to be honest. I mean, now if you ask me this question, I, I look back like how it happens. I think it looks like inner side. I already have a preference. So you know, when people have a preference,、uh, just say hidden there. When you hear different voices, you tend to choose those opinions that more close or on the same side with your preference, and then you say, okay, it's, it should be the way I go. So you just need people to speak it out, and then you say, okay, it's my decision. But actually, you already have that opinion. Therefore, when you hear different voices, you probably already thought, or just like、uh, intuitively, you're going to. Argue is that you're going to、um, express that you're against it. Permission to do what you already know you want to do, or a challenge to what you have already decided is the thing that you want to do. 
Yeah, exactly. Just like uh, you, you didn't be so assured, let's say, in your mind, but uh, in, at the deep side, probably already you have a preference, just that you didn't realize by yourself. After having made some of those really big decisions and I suppose at important crossroads, picking the the path that could seem to some like the harder path to take when you're already on a well-charted path ahead of you sort of thing. Um, what about where you are now? Are you finding that you have a really good balance? Are you enjoying the the combination of playing a lot of chess and also working at the university? Uh, well, the, I would say that nowadays, although I play some events, most of them are online and some of them are important. But, uh, you know, as a chess people, I know that this active in chess world is not like the previous active I've done like 10 years ago or 15 years ago. It's different. So that's the reason why nowadays I never consider myself as a professional chess player not anymore so for example i cannot keep the frequency of chess training i'm not always up to date for the latest the chess updates technically and also when i choose whether to play this event or not i need to check the first uh, uh the schedule in my department the working responsibility i have so i cannot call myself as a uh, let's say, a tra- professional chess player. Chess is more or less uh, going back to a hobby to me. Uh, but when we have those important events, for example, like the online Olympiad or Asian Games, uh, this kind of important tournaments, my department, my university also uh, having a very positive attitude towards it. They're, they're very flexible about timing and other things, you know, so that helps me a lot. So how to combine or whether I find a way of balance, I don't think this balance is similar compared to my previous times when I was a student. Because when I was a student, really you need to find a balance between the studies and chess because at certain moments, both things are taking a very important role. But at that moment, no. You probably already notified that the job or um, let's say university things taking more of my time. Because that's my job, you know, it's, it's very hard to say that <laughs> I could still, you know, being be a chess player to play any every event I want. So the good thing for me is that, I mean, I wouldn't talk it this way, but uh, in reality, it is that when there are more and more tournaments happening online, that benefits me to play more. If compared to five or six years ago, we don't have that much serious uh, online tournaments. So I might... I might have to play this. Sure, sure. And how do you find your teaching now as well, aren't you? Uh, Well, I enjoy this and I feel like I improved. I learned a lot. Because previously when I see chess, I'm a player, right? So you thought about, okay, which opening you would like to choose? Uh, Which option suits my playing style? So against a particular player, uh, what is his style? How I should pay attention to this kind of things? Only be practical, right? But when you become a chess, when you become a, a teacher, right? So you are teaching chess. Firstly, you take chess as a different perspective. You need to know more history about chess, right? Um, even though some of them, I, I, I really don't care, <laughs> to be honest. But now I have to know about it and I found it very interesting. 
I feel a bit pity that I somehow missed this history part when I was younger. This includes the history of stories, the history of chess players, and also the history of chess games. And those chess games actually um, it's important uh, uh, for your skill improvement. Actually, it helps. Okay, so that is uh, talking about some knowledge absorbing, but also uh, I take chess differently. Previously, I only check, okay, what is the best line? What are the possible options? And here, you not only need to understand what is better, you also need to explain why the other lines are not good. And sometimes you feel like it's not so easy because in your mind, if you just need to figure it out and play a move, it's simpler than you need to express, you need to explain why it's bad to others who probably have a different uh, thinking logics with you, right? So uh, when I'm talking with uh, uh, different people, different students, you cannot use always the same way to explain them this and that. So that is also challenging and interesting. I feel like uh, I learned a lot. And also sometimes, you know, I'm here in the university. I'm not only teaching like the decent chess player. Some of them are at a very high level, including grandmasters or international masters. When you're communicating with them, you feel like, okay, sometimes their idea could be um, interesting to me or adding a new perspective to checklist position. That's also very interesting. And also I feel like as the, to teaching chess, there's more responsibility. I feel like, okay, now I understand why when I was young, I participated in some chess tournaments, my coach are very anxious. Yes. When you're sitting in front of the chessboard, okay, you feel the pressure because it might lose. Okay, you might uh, uh, screw it out. But uh, in reality, the people who are following your games, who are actually spending a lot of time with you to prepare it, they will be more anxious because they feel like, they cannot control the process. They have to wait there for your move. And now I have this feeling that, okay, it's really more a pressure compared to play the own games by myself. I had a very similar, I, I mean, on a very different scale, but I coached some law students last year in a moot. And it was a moot that I had done myself as a participant, as a law student. But coaching, I found myself biting my nails on the side of watching them in, when they were in court. And it was just a whole different type of stress. So I completely relate. Yeah, I think you know, we definitely have a very similar feeling, like how this role changed that. So Yifan, what's next then? It sounds like you are doing some wonderful things at the moment and also challenged and learning new things every day. What What is the plan for the next few years and in the future? What, what are your priorities to come? Well, uh, I think because I'm still a kind of freshman and I'm, I'm kind of new in the educational field, I have to admit. Uh, although I have a lot of experience in chess world, but I think that when I'm working in the university uh, as a uh, as a professor, I wouldn't only focusing on my chess, right? Chess skill is just a part of it. I need to think about, okay, projects. I need to think about uh, the, um, the analysis, the experiments, this kind of things. And also uh, in my university at the moment, we're thinking to build up the uh, high um, just like build up a team to participate uh, 
the the sports activities, the tournaments. So there are more related things surrounding chess or surrounding sports for a lot of to do. So for me, I think at first I should still improve myself. One thing is like okay, I've only done my graduate studies, but I haven't done PhD yet. So I probably need to consider about that if I decided to stay in the academia. So that's the thing I have to think about. And also, I felt like、um, as as we discussed before, I learned a lot after teaching lectures. So I felt like there are more this teaching methods and how to、uh, communicate with students better. This kind of things, this、um, theoretical things, I need to study about. And also explore the good combination. How to say it? Just like how to、um, make chess or other sports more. Um, adaptive in the、uh, college educational system, so you know what I mean. Just, just like okay, so when we're talking about college studies, normally we thought okay, their、um, like STEM or their、um, literatures or, for example, law or other、uh, subjects. But when we're talking about sports, most likely we consider okay, sports is just like a sport that students should. Do as an exercise, but when we take it as a subject, as a uh, uh, educational field, how we fit it into? I mean, of course, there are a lot of things related to biological things, right? This kind of things. But when we are particularly, for example, talking about chess or Chinese chess or Go, this kind of mind games, how we make them more suitable in the、um, undergraduate studies or graduate studies? Because this shouldn't be the same. Like you teach a child, tell them how to play chess. Okay, they might become a decent chess player or even professional chess player. But when you are teaching this course at the college, it wouldn't be the same thing. Because I believe most of the students wouldn't、uh, even think about to become a professional chess player at that age. But we could try to design it more,、um, you know, more educational in case, for example, to train their. Uh, logical thinking to help them solving difficult tasks to separate to、uh, small segments or even you know especially in China we're talking about uh,、um, personalities or this mindset like how to deal with pressure when you're facing very、uh, fragile situation how you're going to deal with it this kind of thing so maybe in this. Mm. Oh, that's very exciting. Well, I will, I will、uh, definitely be watching with an interested eye as someone who, after watching the Queen's Gambit, I tried to find an interest in chess and quickly realized I was never going to be good at it. But I'll be interested in the benefits I might be able to get from chess beyond being good at it as well. I suppose. No, I, I believe that probably really don't have enough time to spend on chess. That's a reason. <laughs> well, I suppose now might be a good time to ask you some wrap up rapid fire. Questions, which are just a couple of questions that、um, don't have anything specifically to do with what we've been talking about, but I'm interested in your answers nonetheless. The first question is something interesting you've learned about yourself, or more generally, in the last year. Oh, that's a tough question. Well, I felt like probably、um, you know, in no matter in the communication or maybe when dealing some things. Um, I could more, I could be more like、uh, understanding what others are thinking about, or be more tolerant about those things that maybe when I was younger I thought it it is wrong. 
one person who you would really like to have a meal with, either alive or dead, anyone, the first person who comes to mind that you would love to have a meal with? <sighs> More than one, but if you ask me, the first one came to my mind, probably still Bobby Fisher, because I remember I've been asked this question at all times when I was young. And Bobby Fisher is my all-time favorite chess player. Unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to even meet with him. Can I ask, what is it about Bobby Fisher that you admire? Uh, well, firstly, it's about his chess skills. I mean, even his, uh, uh, let's say, even he's a chess player nowadays, I believe he'll be the uh, top three or top two at least. So that, that means, in my opinion, along the chess history, he would be the uh, top three best chess players if not the, the strongest, okay, so a little bit more objective. So his skill is like just uh, I admire a very uh, universal skills, so good at different parts, and also sometimes could be very creative. And apart from skills, I also think that um, I admire his, uh, I also admire him that could be bravely express his own opinion. You know, sometimes people are thought about, okay, he, uh, people have different opinion towards different things, but due to this or that reason, we want to be polite or we thought it's not appropriate. We wouldn't express because we are afraid of, um, you know, bothering to others or maybe not suitable, this kind of things. But he just uh, said, it, said it out. I'm not sure what the exact quote was, but someone once said that one of the hardest things in the world is to have an opinion and to stand by it and express it. And I really relate to that. So I also really admire people who are able to to have the courage to say what they think, but also to change that when it needs to be changed as well. Yeah, exactly. So so that because of these two reasons, he's, he's my uh, favorite chess player. And would you would you prefer then to have a meal with Bobby Fischer or to play Bobby Fischer? Both. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't mind that. Okay, we have a meal and in the meantime, we play a game. Like a plan for chess, no matter. <laughs> Maybe there might need to be spectators there too. <laughs> so, and one final question for you, Yifan. If there is a piece of advice that might come to mind that is either so good or so bad, I suppose, as well, that you feel the need to, to pay it forward and either pass it on or to alert people as to how bad the advice is. Do you have a piece of advice that you'd like to share? Let me think how to say it because I have like kind of Chinese in my words, but I don't know how to uh, switch it to English. Let me find a good way to express it. I think what I'm not what I've learned. What I've heard is that uh, do not try to be perfect. No, no one can be perfect. So there, there's always the most suitable to you, but not the best to you. Or let's put it the other way. So the most suitable thing for you is the best thing for you, but maybe not for others. Uh, so why this is because that um, also from chess experience. Uh, so when, when I was young, for example, when I'm calculating some variations, I always try to be uh, more accurate, not only with effort to win the game, but trying to find the best moves, best lines to win without mistakes. But then I realized it's very hard. When you are trying to figure out, okay, so what's the time difference between A and B? You spend a lot of time and then you, you are facing time pressure. Under time pressure, you have much higher chances to make blunders, and then you probably could even lose that game. So sooner or later, of course, that's a long time, and then I realized, um, you know, you can 
not always stick for perfectionism. You should just try to find the most suitable things. Mm-hmm. That's very powerful advice. And what is what was the phrase that came to mind in Chinese as well? Um, <laughs> I mean, in English, it says something like uh, um, non-perfectionism is the perfectionism, something like this. Okay, I'm probably saying it wrong. No, that's very powerful. Thank you for sharing it. Well, Yifan, this has been such an enjoyable conversation for me to have. I've also, I've learned a lot about chess, I have to say. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I'm sure that those who listen to the podcast will get as much from it as I did. So uh, just thank you again for sharing your time with us and all the very best for the, for the time to come. And I suppose all of the exciting steps ahead. Thank you so much, Sophie. It's a very lovely conversation. I also enjoyed it a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne.